Hello and welcome to this episode of the Event Manager Podcast by Skiff Meetings. I am Miguel Nevs and I'm delighted to have you join us in this episode about the future of group bookings. In this episode, we start by talking about what is global distribution and how it works from a hotel perspective. We explore the power of discovery and filtering in instant booking systems like Groups360 online. We talk about how to tackle RFP and lead spam and why conversions are really what matter ultimately. We talk about how all group and small bookings could be fully automated in the near future. And we talk about why planners should embrace the kind of system that allows for a transparent, simple, and efficient group booking. Thank you for listening to this episode. And I invite you to check out the other episodes of the Event Manager Podcast on our website or on your favorite podcast service. for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. Delighted to be uh, with you again on the Event Manager Podcast by Skiff Meetings. And today I am joined by Tim Flores, the Chief Customer Officer at Groups360, and Oral Muir, VP Partnership Development and Global Distribution at Hilton. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. So uh, I want to start with some personal introductions. Um, and I'll start with Tim because um, Group C60 has been a sponsor of the podcast for a while. And I want to make sure everybody understands uh, what Group 360 is, what it does, and also kind of your role and how you got involved in, in, in Group 360 and, and in the industry at large. No, absolutely. Thanks, Miguel. Yeah, I, I've been around since day one. And our goal and mission at Groups 360 is to make booking meetings simple and easy, both for the meetings consumer as well as for the hotelier. Um, a majority of us uh, came from the hotel industry, and we really believe it's all about trust and confidence for the consumer and giving them transparency throughout the process, whether it's, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about direct and instant booking here later today, um, but also just even through the typical RFP process. Um, for me personally, this has been in my blood since I was a kid. I love people. I've always wanted to do something in theme parks, hotels. The later in life I got, the more of a nerd I became as well. So jumping in and starting a tech company kind of fell right into right into my wheelhouse of blending in together my love of technology and how it makes life easier for folks, um, as well as my love for hospitality in the meetings industry, where I spent most of my career. Great. So you have a long career with with hotels as well and, and theme parks you mentioned and you know, this is this is just seems like a good fit for you. No, exactly right. Exactly right. Oral, um, kind of same question to you. I'd love to learn a little bit about your career and, and kind of what your unique role is at Hilton. I don't think a Hilton needs introduction per se, but uh, but it'd be good to understand kind of your trajectory and, and how you kind of see all this. Sure. No, thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad I'm doing this with Tim. Um, hopefully we'll have a, a uh, you know, sort of powerful, transformative kind of conversation and it'll change the world, Tim. Let's do this thing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Um, you know, I um, lead what we call partnership development, which is new partnerships um, at Hilton and also then global distribution, which is all the third party channels that drive revenue for our hotels around the world. 
um, how the um, what happens when the customer clicks buy. Uh, my team makes sure that it's possible to do that. Um, and it's a fun, fun job in, in both sides of that. Um, otherwise, I think I've been involved in uh, events and meetings specifically uh, most of my life. Uh, not far, as far back, quite as far back as Tim, but uh, you know, starting back in college, man, I was always uh, running either a, a center that had space that needed bookings um, for uh, for that space, or I was uh, driving events myself. Later on, as I started my career, I then got involved um, in a number of nonprofits, um, at the board level, at the leadership level, um, and even then, when I was volunteering. Um, each of those organizations did several events a year, right? And so was always involved in some way. And then later on, I started my hospitality career with Marriott. Um, and during that time, um, decided, well, gosh, I've got to figure out and merge all these things I love. Uh, first, primarily spending my time on business development and, and uh, you know, third-party transient business. But then later on, um, how do we transform the group space so that the thing I was doing um, through my nonprofit associations um, I could now automate and fix the very pain points I had as a customer. And that's really how I got involved in Group 360. Digitizing this journey is what I needed to um, you know, do to solve my challenges on the end of where, where I was a customer. And then certainly, materially, how that changes the reality for hotels um, as well. Fascinating. Um, wanted to go back a little bit to the distribution, uh, the, the global distribution. Um, just wondering if you could shed some light on on how that has developed. Is that something that's kind of increasingly more important for Hilton? How is the kind of the need for those external channels and everything coming in um, as part of your kind of business mix? Uh, how has that developed over the last few years? I believe that global distribution is something that's evolving, right? It's value chain activity. It's not like distribution in the uh, packaged goods space. It is all the value chain, it's the four Ps, um, you know, all of those things for how we actually manage that space. And so most hotel companies have figured out over time, and Hilton certainly has done a tremendous, tremendous job at this, find the right balance between what's driven by our owned and direct channels and what we need from third-party uh, channels. And so we've managed to tell our partners that this is about balance, balance of trade. And if you do the right things and match what you're doing with our strategy, then we can be friends. Uh, and so. Yes, we do need our third-party partners. Um, it's not a war, but it's very much, I think, uh, geopolitical diplomacy, right? Uh, we uh, we want to make sure most of our business comes through our direct channels. In fact, if we can get all of it, we would, but that's not a reality around the world. And so we partner with people to actually complement our delivery to our owners. And then we fight tooth and nail to make sure that uh, you know the customer will book with us every single time. But we know that we have these relationships when they don't. Excellent. Well, thank you for for kind of sharing that with us. I think that that's that's an interesting kind of insight. So, Tim, coming back to you. So, Group Three Hundred and Sixty. Um, I'm a planner. I'm thinking about a number of different properties. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking about booking or I'm thinking about checking for availability. Take me through that kind of usage of Group 360 from a kind of very basic perspective as a planner. What, I'm jumping into Group 360 because it has a, a large offering, I assume, and lots of different kind of properties on offer. What's the process here? I go in, what happens? Yeah, no problem. And so as a typical planner, so whether you're an occasional meeting planner, you're somebody who's a soccer mom, soccer dad, who wants to book their 10 rooms at a hotel and maybe one space, or whether you're a corporate or association meeting planner who wants to book a larger meetings and conference for 5,000, 20,000 people, GroupSync work, works for both use cases. And so where we spend 
almost all of our time is on making that process really simple for the searching and the shopping, as well as for the booking component of it. And so the typical use case is you go in and unlike other channels, we're all about understanding the preference and priority of you, the meeting planner, whether you're looking for a particular destination or you need our help and our proprietary algorithms assistance in offering you up the best fit markets, um, or whether you know exactly where you want to go. You tell us about what you ideally need. Um, we used to always joke when we first started, we're like kind of a match.com. You tell us what you're looking for for your meeting and event. We're going to help match you with the right destination and hotel in that market. And But it's truly what we're trying to do. We, we literally provide a score out of zero to 100 at a market level and a property level based on your preference for whether it's a brand preference for a Hilton, whether it's a weather preference, a rate preference, um, on-site amenities, things like that that help guide you to that right best fit market. And even very similar to Amazon, right? So even if I say, I want to go to Orlando for this meeting, or I want to go to Tampa for this meeting, we'll say, hey, great. But based on all the other things that you just told us, you know, Jacksonville is a really great option you might not have thought about. And here's four really unique offerings. And again, putting my former hotelier hat on is that lead spam is something that was continually talked about at a hotel level that I, I got to respond back to this comprehensive RFP response form. And I know I'm one of... 50 hotels when they're looking at five different markets, like it's going to take me two, three hours to fill this out when I've got a very limited chance of getting this. Our goal for, in that example, that hotel in Jacksonville, this is a highly qualified lead that they like what your market has to offer from a rate weather standpoint. They love what your property has to offer potentially with live inventory. And so all of a sudden I've given you a highly curated lead where okay, they've taken two-thirds, Groups 360 and Group Sync as our product name, has taken that kind of questions out of it. Because two-thirds of the time, I'm declining that lead at the hotel level due to lack of inventory. So if I, at Groups 360 and Group Sync, can show that to a meeting planner, it makes it more efficient for me and for the hotel in general. So that's, that's the booking side. We use both live inventory as well as, so I can actually live book the meeting. So it's rooms and space. And for some hotels, I can do catering and equipment at the exact same time, but also just even for the highly cured RFP. So as I go through that process of shopping and booking, we're narrowing down your options as you're going through the process and making it a significantly better experience for the planner. And so, um, so you build a kind of profile on Group 360 as well. So, so the, the system kind of knows your preferences and knows the kind of thing that you're looking for. Does that kind of grow over time? It does. It doesn't. We do it currently at an event level because what you're looking for for your sales incentive meeting may be different. Or you're looking for it for your board of directors meeting. So it's really your event preference, and almost not so much your organizations or your, your personal preference, because we believe that could change by the type of meeting that you're booking. So we do allow you to kind of to duplicate that to all future meetings of that same event. And then what are the limitations? You know, like I mean, I think booking large events is always complicated when you try to automate it. Right? Do you have sort of a top of sort of a largest size that you can book instantly, or is it kind of limitless? You know, we as Group 360 um, don't have any limits of the size that could be direct book. We have some of our partners who offer 10 to 25 rooms on peak. We have some partners who are going to start offering lower than 10 because, again, we're all hotel folks, right? Group to us means 10 rooms. But all of a sudden, you talk to that soccer mom, soccer dad, and they think group. Uh, the group is, hey, there's six of us going to play golf. That's a group to me. And so we're learning this through um, user behavior of saying, you know what, let's give them the opportunity. If they think that they're a group, 
let's give them group tools. So what we would call housing on the hotel side, give them what's called, you know, more of attendee management, right? Allow them to split the bill amongst the, the six individuals who are traveling. So one person's not putting it all on their credit card. And so typically for instant booking, it's 10 to 25 today. We have one of our first large brand partners by probably middle of next year, it'll go to 50 rooms on peak. Uh, we got to think when we start talking um, and we're having conversations with hotels in Vegas, they're looking and they're open to doing small groups, quote unquote, up to 200 rooms on peak, especially midweek groups, because that's just a smaller, simpler group for them, especially if it's just a rooms only and a handful of meeting spaces. So it really depends on the size of the hotel, um, on the seasonality of what's going on. But I think the biggest key is using inventory, not just for the instant booking of that meeting space, but also for the RFP. So even if somebody wants to go to the Signia down in Orlando and there are 500 rooms on peak, Oral's probably not going to let that direct book online for 500 rooms. But we should still tell that meeting planner, does Signia have 500 rooms available over my set of dates? And if they're and if they are not available, if I love that hotel, I've been to Signia before, I can flex my dates to really pick and fine tune. Oh, great. They're open on the on a Sunday through Wednesday pattern. I really can't do the Monday arrival I was looking for. Great. I can be flexible. I'm doing that without the hotel, right? I'm self-selecting myself into the, the thing that would be best fit for the hotel and would work for me. Really interesting. Or would love to get your perspective on this from, from the hotel, right? You're like, you're getting the RFPs or you're getting the instant book. What does that look like on your end? Uh, how integrated is this in, into your systems? And really just give me a picture from the hotel site. You know, when you see that message notification or however it works from Group 360 come in, is it sort of a, a big smile on everybody's face? And why is that? <laughs> well, I think there's a tremendous change management journey ahead. So um, big smiles in general from the uh, persons managing groups uh, whenever things can be more efficient, always, right? Because they're, I think those uh, team members are always looking for efficiency. And for any salesperson, um, when a big opportunity comes in, it's always smiles. Um, in terms of the, I think the, the transformation that has to happen, uh, the thing that I believe, for me anyway, that brings smile, a smile to my face, um, the sale does, absolutely. But the things that excite me going forward and the thing that I think I believe I want people to be more excited about in the future is the efficiency. And when you do a lot of filtering up front, all the things that Tim just said, when the machinery works just fine and, and we are fairly integrated in terms of the uh, connection with our, our, our central reservation systems um, and so the inventory rates and, and so on, the potential to book instantly, those things are connected the receiving RFPs um, and then being able to sort of monitor what's happening with those RFPs and follow up to make sure that things get addressed with the customer and, you know, managing response time. So something is not hanging out there for 24 hours, we need a response in five. All those things are things that are the, the technology does. Um, we now need a great deal of uh, change management overall to actually help make sure everyone understands what the technology is doing so they appreciate it. So when you see an RFP uh, from Group 360, in some cases, you don't know as a hotelier um, how much filtering has been done. Um, you know that this is actually more qualified, and so it's not like a waste of my time. There's been effort made to make sure this is material to me. I'm not just one of uh, you know to uh, the point Tim made, one of fifty or one of a hundred. Um, and so there has to be more awareness and almost become second nature to understand that when it comes from Group Three Sixty, all that machinery has done something that makes this different. Um, because right now it just looks like another lead on the, you know, visually, right? But um, we have to drive more appreciation 
that a lot of work has been done before this got delivered to you. On the customer end, it's more visible because they're in the machine uh, on the customer interface engaging. And so the customer knows, oh, I've looked at when this hotel is available. Um, and so I think the customer transformation then will move faster in terms of that aspect because the customer knows, oh, I've already shifted my dates in the example Tim used to a point where the hotel has availability um, and I've already done, the, the machine has already done the work. Uh, and so I think on both ends, um, the, the learning uh, curve is on different, different places for obvious reasons. Um, however, I think for me, beyond the sale and the excitement of getting the big opportunity, um, the biggest metric I have is seeing that moment when people begin to kind of go, oh, a lot of work has been done already. And so this is actually something I should spend my time on because I have a better hit rate um, to actually close this. Really interesting. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. So RFPs are you know, extremely useful, just part of meeting planners, a meeting planner's life, really. But there are some concerns from both sides on RFP spam, you know, just property just getting way too many RFPs. And also, I think planners have that concern that they may be spending a lot of time on the RFP and it takes up a lot of time and then they need to do it again. Um, are there ways that the system is kind of helping with with both sides of that sort of those challenges, the, the, the spam, but also the kind of the length of the RP that's that's required? How are you kind of simplifying that and, and, and making that process better for, for both sides? And I'll, I'll let, whoever can take that one, but maybe I'd like to le learn from, from both Tim, sides. I'll let Tim take most of it. But I think what I'll say is um, there, there are no hotels that will say, well, they get too many RFPs. That's the thing, right? When you're, when you're <laughs> You want the leads. I think overall, the opportunities, how can we make this more efficient? Um, and we and can you actually, what if you actually had a score that you can actually know um, the quality of that lead? Um, so that's one of the things that I think uh, we're focused on is how do you then, then telegraph um, the work that's been done so that it's easier to filter? In many ways, it's not lead spam probably is, a, is an overused term. It just means that it's um, the leads are undifferentiated. Right, because there's so much coming through the pipe. How do you um, filter what comes through? And I think as we had more filter, fil filtering tools and more scoring tools, um, even if it's a million that came, came through, you immediately know which 10 to focus on. Yeah. So ideally, it, it, from your perspective, Earl, um, you'd have a sort of stamp of approval. It came through Group 360, so you know that it's somewhat qualified. And even within Group 360, if you had some sort of ranking or, or I don't know, point system where you say, okay, this is somebody who's used the system a lot or made a lot of bookings, then that would give you some more insight into that and kind of enable you to filter that, those better. And, and quite frankly, even uh, which is already there today, which uh, is one of the things that uh, many sales leaders uh, use, this is coming from a, a, um, a frequent customer, customer of mine, a valued customer, um, someone I've worked with before. And so, you know, I'm going to take these right away. Yeah. Tim, what about your perspective? We'd love to get that. Yeah, I mean, for us, when we talk about the metric we drive, we strive for, it's conversion. It's not the quantity of leads that we send out, it's the conversion of those leads that we send out. 
nobody wants to see a ton of leads that they never convert. So did that really do anything for me as a salesperson? I responded to the most leads. I've never won any sales awards in my hotel career for responding to the most leads in a given year. It's all about how do I convert the right leads? And so how we do that is, again, some of the filtering things that I mentioned before, but a lot of it's just information. How do I provide information to that consumer to have them self-select? So the scoring items that Oral had mentioned, we ideally want a consumer to do that in our application, whether it's filtering by a chain, whether it's filtering by their preferences of room rate, onset amenities, um, weather preference, to really bring that down. So all of a sudden, they're matched with the best fit market, the best fit hotels. And typically, when it's a good fit for the planner, it's a just as good or a great fit for that property as well. And so that's really our goal. So that, that could be, again, I think availability is a really huge key because that's two-thirds of just the lack of visibility for me as the meeting planner. I don't know what's available or not. It's not like I'm booking an airline ticket. I can see what the price is this moment. I can see if it's available or not. Nope. For this one, I'm blindly sending something out, waiting two to three to four to five days or ever getting a response back from the hotel. No, not from Hilton. Hilton always responds, obviously. <laughs> but those are people. But right, it's, it's, it's hyper inefficient. So how do I provide better information for me as the consumer so I can self-select in that RFP process to make it more streamlined for me and for the hotel? So I think one thing we want to talk about is, is the difference between the instant booking and the kind of improved RFP process. Um, are you in a point where you kind of would like to have everything on instant booking or is there a, like a time and a place for, for each kind of system? I, I think Oral said it best, right? It's that there's, so, there's a significant amount of change management. We, we have to think it wasn't that long ago that you couldn't book a hotel room online for transient, right? You had to call the hotel or call their call center. Or send now, a fax that, through, right? That, like, that's the thing. Right, that wasn't that long ago. Like it, it seems like it's been forever ago. It wasn't that long ago. So now for the first time ever, you can instant book 10 rooms with meeting space, with catering, with equipment. It's going to take a change management on the hotel side, as well as on the property side. So it makes sense that you start small, right? It's easier that the hotel has been kind of coveting their space and covering their goop rates forever, that they're not going to just say, oh yeah, here, here's free sale and all my space. I'm a 200 room property. Go ahead and sell, sell everything. I don't care what pattern it is. I don't care what that looks like. Revenue managers wouldn't allow that in a million years. However, we're going to learn and it's going to take time to learn. It's going to time, take time for consumers to feel confident of putting their, their Visa card or MasterCard down to, to pay for this space. But I truly believe over time, we're already seeing consumers asking for man, I really wish I could book a 30-room group, a 50-room group. And it's just going to get, once the first couple happen and they're like, wow, that executed really well, especially me going back to the same hotel. Man, I, I feel great. I just I just booked it, you know, Hilton McLean. I'm, I'm ready to go back there. The group's now 50 instead of 25. I feel amazing booking it online because I had a great service experience the last time I was there. It's just going to take time. Do I think instant booking will replace, you know, the 5,000-person conference? That might be a little more complicated, um, but I do think it's going to evolve over time. Do you think you'll see that peak number continue to go up, both from consumer and the hotel's confidence level increasing over time? Not saying it's going to be in six months, it's just going to take time. Yeah, there's a word that we use at, at Hilton quite a bit. Um, it's fidgetal. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a combination of uh, that for quite some time, and it should be because of the complexity of the decisions being made. Uh, one of the examples that I will typically use uh, to describe this is for, let's say it's a 15 person meeting, um, but it's just us and you know um, our, our colleagues. Um, 
going to do a meeting together, talk about the future of podcasting. Um, and we ask uh, one of our assistants or someone in our team to actually make this booking. They'll go, got it. You know, you guys want uh, sandwiches or what do you want for lunch? You want coffee in the morning? Good, good, good. Um, you know, I know the size of the meeting room. How many, how many people are staying overnight? Done. Got it. Done. If, however, um, the people meeting, same 15 uh, count, um, but the individuals are our senior most leaders in our businesses talking about a potential partnership um, and how podcasts will transform the world. And they have an invited guest of, uh, you know, someone fairly senior up in uh, Google or something like that, or, you know, in your organization. All of a sudden, the nature of who will be in the room, the person now booking that meeting wants to have perhaps more conversation with the hotel and wants to make sure certain things are right. Um, should there only be green M&Ms, right? Or now it becomes more interesting in terms of the special request or this principal likes the room to be a certain temperature and if the room is at that temperature, this particular principal will hate the entire meeting. Um, and so the very same headcount, the very same general frame uh, some dimensions change and all of a sudden there needs to be more engagement um, to verify things. And that's the nature of this thing. It's going to be that way for some time. And so in a perfect world, what we drive is the confidence that the technology and the capability is there to enable what you want to do. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. The, the confidence, you need to see it working before you trust it, right? It needs to kind of work a few times and then you go, okay, this actually works. So now I, I can trust the system. So I wanted to kind of take us five, 10 years into the future. Um, where do you see us being, uh, let's say five years in the future? Like you say, if this, if the process works, people get used to the system, the, the human element is, is well managed. What's, what's the ideal situation here? And I'll, I'll start with Tim. I mean, I think when you go five to 10 years from now, I, I believe when you're looking at smaller meetings and events, I don't know if there will be an option to talk to a human at a hotel to book the actual space, in my personal opinion. I think over time, it's just going to become so normal and natural to book a meeting online. There's just going to be your go-to. It's why would I call and do X, Y, and Z if I can just go ahead and order in line and be done, right? When's the last time you called Papa John's or your pizza place to make an order, right? You're, you're doing things online at Uber Eats and getting it done. I, I haven't called a restaurant in years to do a, a to-go order. Um, there's different capabilities. It's just, again, it's going to take time to evolve it. I think as we, we talked a lot about the meeting planner experience, when we think about a meeting and event, we also are truly focused on that attendee experience as well, uh, is how does that attendee get on property? So how do I make that housing experience? And how do I get that filling the block going uh, uh, to get the attendee to the property by making that process easier? So if I know where you're, I already know where you're going. I know what dates you're going there. Perfect. Tell me where you're coming in from. Let's go ahead and book your airfare. Why don't we go ahead and book your car rental or pre-book your Uber or car service? And if you need to do any offsite meetings while you're there, um, and you want to partner with local restaurant to do your, you know, 10-person board dinner while you're at at the Signia in Orlando, you have an option to do that. And I think I, I see it really evolving more downstream to the attendee level. Well, well, they'll they'll also see the benefit, like the meeting planner is of this online transaction. And by doing that, by having that information about the attendee, about knowing when they're arriving on their flight, what transportation they're booking, makes Oral's job at the, at the Hilton level, the hotel level, significantly easier to staff at the front desk when they know when folks are coming in, right? And so, and all of a sudden we, we call it the transition from an attendee to a guest. Oral and the Hilton, Hilton Hotel doesn't know who this attendee is until currently 30 days out when they get a rooming list, right? But 
they could start marketing and advertising to that person and saying, hey, Tim, I know you really like Disney. Don't you want to come in a couple of days early with your kids and come here? I know you and your wife really like red wine. Do you want to pre-purchase a bottle of wine to be sitting in your room uh, waiting for you? So we think that digitization can go really to that attendee level who's going and attending that meeting and making that a more personal experience. So are you working on a, on a, a partnership with Uber as we speak so that you can kind of be driving around and book your meeting as, as you go? I mean, my God, we can't talk about these things. I, don't know <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, we're, we're having some really unique conversations though with partners to really help us in that downstream impact to the attendee. Great. And from your perspective, Oral, uh, five to 10 years from now, what does it look like for, for the hotel staff, you know, staff and also from the management level? You know, I, I, I see a far more transparent, uh, simple and efficient world for uh, hotel staff and for planners uh, for hotels, saving time uh, and being able to put people against the most critical things for our customers. And so in, in many ways, the hotel, the hotel business is fairly efficient today. The opportunity, um, though, is that we are still going to be a high touch business. Um, you know, again, we have a tiered, a tiered brand structure and customers' expectations will drive that engagement. The opportunity is to be able to move time. Um, an opportunity uh, in terms of what you engage uh, with our guests differently um, as more things are automated. I don't imagine it's a world where um, it's all robots and, and things like that because that's not our business. Um, however, there are some things you can move in that direction so you can actually have more time uh, and resources to really delight um, our customers and delight our guests. The example I'd probably use for what will likely happen um, and how the transformation will go is I remember the first time most of us uh, saw phones with cameras on them. Um, you know, it was like, what the heck, right? I mean, why would anyone use the, a phone to take a photo um, and things like that? Well, that changed pretty quickly where now you can't even imagine why or how else would you take photos? Um, and the same thing with the first set of um, mobile applications. I remember having debates with people. Um, I was one of those people that built one of the first ones um, at, a, at a corporate level. And we're like, why are we doing this? No one's ever going to buy something for more than like, you know, $20 on a phone. They're going to buy a book maybe, but I mean, who's ever going to spend like $1,000 over, over mobile, mobile device? That's crazy. These things change and perceptions change. And so in many ways, it's looking forward. This whole thing will have been transformed. It'll be different. Hopefully the story we're telling is that we've empowered customers, we've empowered hotel staff, and they've taken a journey together and they've created something wonderful. All right, like that, like that. So I want to wrap up by kind of turning this question around a little bit. Um, you've already answered part of this, but I wanted to go a little bit deeper. What's your advice to planners? Um, you know, of course, we're talking about a, a world five to 10 years from now where, where things are slightly different, but I'd love to get your advice to planners. Is it just be comfortable with technology or is there more to it? Like, what can you tell planners to make this change um, or to get them where they, where they should be maybe in five, 10 years? And I'll start with Oral. Oh, let's see, on the hot seat first. You know, I, I'm a planner too. Um, and so what I'd say is, look, use all of the available information um, to help make decisions. And so um, as a planner, there's certain, there's muscle memory that you have to unlearn and learn new things um, and exercise new muscles. Um, and so initially all you're sort of figuring out is like, can this uh, location even work? Um, is it even available? Um, is the price point even something that my attendees can afford? Um, if it's a meeting where the attendees will pay, will, will pay. 
Um, and so those kind of budget questions, um, and then quite frankly, is the city even a, a place where I can become accommodated? Um, that's the fear. And that's your, your first thing you, you address because the fear is if you don't fix that, fix that point of gravity first, nothing else will work. I think as a planner, the advice is begin to use the other tools available to even make decisions about, as Tim said, weather, right? Here are other places where based on an algorithm historically, chances are it'll be at least, um, you know, 75 to 80 degrees during this period of time. So now I can use different inputs to make my decisions. And can I resolve the availability question a few minutes online? Yes, now I can. And so I can begin to fix that point of gravity that drives everything else someplace else in the in the process. Yeah, love that advice. I think that there's a lot of good good uh, good advice there and, and kind of a structure there to think about uh, how, to, how to look forward. Tim, um, what can you add? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say very similar to Oral. A lot of it's just get started because it's it's hard when you're when you've been doing a job for five, 10, 15, sometimes 30 years, you get stuck in your routine and everyone does. And so using Oral's phone example, right? It took you to have your first razor phone to take your first picture from that phone to kind of get started and saying, like, all right, might be, you know, a half a megapixel of that picture back in the day. Um, but right, it, it showed you the possibilities. And so in, until you try it out with a, a simple meeting or just trying us out for, or trying a new technology out for even a larger RFP of just understanding what else is out there and available to you, um, you'd be remiss and you're not challenging yourself to, to see what else is out there. And so my biggest advice to a planner is to give it a try, whatever that technology is, whether it's group sync, whether it's another technology who's, who's doing something digitizing in the meetings and event space, I prefer it to be group sync that they try, but but just to try something else that's out of the norm of their everyday routine of what they've been doing that has worked well for them. It's just that there's certain things that could make it maybe not better, but maybe easier and saving them time and effort. Love that. I think we have a lot to look forward to over the next five, 10 years. Um, so yeah, look forward to seeing that in action. Gentlemen, really appreciate you joining uh, me today. I hope uh, everybody listening enjoy the conversation as much as I did. I certainly learned quite a bit in terms of group booking and, and how it looks from, from both sides, from the technology partner side and also from the hotel side. So I appreciate you sharing your insights and uh, just thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure.